You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. Happy New Year to all. It is Wednesday. That means we have Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Before we do that, I just wanted to remind you that you are listening to the flagship of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is a Locked On NFL podcast, and the network brings you your team every day. And the network overall, Locked On Network, is the number one local sports daily podcast network in the world right now. So go check out your favorite teams. Check out Locked On NFL Draft. Lots going on. And we're growing like crazy. And a guy like Mike Renner is a big reason why for coming on every Wednesday. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year to you. Um, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go through all four of the upcoming games this weekend. And you put you always compile the offensive line ranks. And every couple of weeks we talk about that here. I don't think there's enough offensive line talk going on around the podcast world. So I wanted to preview these games in the trenches a little bit. And starting in the AFC... The Chargers are going to Baltimore, and we saw this just a couple weeks ago in L.A. They had massive problems blocking the Ravens, and from what I saw, particularly with their guards, which is a bad matchup for Rivers' inability to move, do you see that changing in Baltimore? I don't, truthfully. I think, I mean, we just did the final O-line rankings, and they were 29th, I want to say, out of 32 teams, the Chargers. Uh, Really, Phillip Rivers... All year was his quick release was basically overcoming the fact that Dan Feeney's probably the worst left guard in the NFL this season, <laughs> the the Chargers left guard, and then Sam Tevy is arguably the worst right tackle in the league. I think they combined for uh, 16 sacks allowed between them. And Philip Rivers, I mean, he gets rid of the ball pretty quickly in his own right. He doesn't take a lot of sacks. He's in that sort of class of guys who just is going to get rid of the ball before they get hit. And uh, even though, even still, they allowed that many sacks. So. I don't think it's going to change. Like you mentioned, they had a big problem. That really changed the game uh, last time these two teams played. Yeah, it really did. And one thing I think on both sides of the ball working to the Chargers' favor, though, is if there's any team I want to see in the pre- or in the regular season and then see them again, like at least play this team once, it's the Ravens. You know, because they're so hard to prepare for, especially when Baltimore has the ball, obviously. They just play such a different style. Do you think... The Ravens have, I mean, the kind of the, the the story of that first game that doesn't get reported much was the Ravens didn't do that much on offense either. I mean, do you think that they have a tough time getting Bosa, Ingram, and that front blocked? Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson even said it himself. This was the most athletic defense that they faced the first time around, the fastest defense they faced the first time around. So I think what okay. he said, and I think that's what you need to stop them. I don't think. Uh, you know the way that attack works is not by just punching you in the mouth. It's not. Uh, it's not one of those ground games. It's by spreading you out and making you cover a lot of ground. And so the more guys you have, like Derwin James and even Jatavis Brown, that defense, very athletic box players, you're better suited to you know stop Lamar Jackson when he breaks it out wide. So I do think they are good in that respect, and I think that's why they had success the first time around. And like you mentioned, they've seen a lot of this already. A big portion of you know how to defend these option plays is basically just seeing them once or twice and getting familiar with what they look like and so I think that's basically the worst matchup that the Ravens could have drawn here in the first round yeah that's really well said because not to take it even a step further the Chargers will play nickel when a lot of teams play base they'll play dime when a lot of teams play nickel I mean they like a lot of fast 
defensive players on the field, and even their defensive tackles aren't you know big and heavy. And I thought in that first game, Bosa and Ingram would really hit Lamar a lot at the mesh point. And so we saw some of it, but I could expect more low-scoring game, I reckon, in, in, in Baltimore, I would think, huh? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I do think the Chargers offense looks a little better, though, than they did last time. I, I think yeah. they just weren't quite ready, I think, for how the pass rush really changed the game. I think they'll prepare a little bit more for that, sort of, sort of protect their offensive line a little more, just give Rivers some time, because I do still think the receivers are good enough that they should score some points here. Yeah, and the, the question I'm going to ask you with all these games, just to wrap each game up, is if either team were to win, which one do you think has a better chance to get to the conference championship game? That's a good question. I, I think it depends on who they end up playing, you know, who they would so end up weird. getting yeah. through. Because if Baltimore, uh, I, I don't really see anyone going to KC and beating KC, but if Baltimore ends up going uh, to New England, uh, you know, if the Texans end up winning and the Ravens win, or excuse me, so I, th- I think that would be the Colts had to end up winning. So if they go to New England, if they're the team that goes to New England, I think they have a good chance to win there with what all they throw at them. Uh, you know, defensively and offensively. But I, I think if either of these teams have to go to KC, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, at least both these teams have played KC, but that's a brutal situation. I don't think Houston has all that great of a home field advantage. And I know the Colts' for defensive front isn't real well known, but this Houston O-line's a disaster. They're atrocious. Julian Davenport, their uh, left tackle, gave up more pressures than any other player in the NFL this year, you wow. up 66. Uh, and that's with, I mean, every third down you watch them, they're chipping defensive ends, both sides, basically. Anytime it's an obvious passing situation, they're doing that because they know, one, I mean, Deshaun Watson does not have a particularly quick release. He is a guy who likes to hold on to the ball, likes to try to make plays. I think we charged him himself with the most sacks of any quarterback in the league this year, just, you know, from scrambling and not getting rid of the ball. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, a lot of that's also because they're running a lot of two-man routes, a lot of three-man routes, where they're not getting everyone out in the pattern because they just have to protect around this offensive line because they're that bad. They really are. The other side of the ball is very impressive to me for Indy, and every time I watch Quentin Nelson, I'm like, man, he looks even better. They didn't have Kelly, their center, last week. I'm not sure what his status is. But their chore of getting Houston blocked is going to be a lot more difficult. That is the thing. I mean, Braden Smith played fantastic, but – Going up against J.J. Watt's a little different animal than I don't really care who else you're blocking. I don't care if you're one of the best tackles in the league. He's owned some guys this year. So that's going to be tough. But I do think just across the board, they're just so solid. They were our number three offensive line to end the year with really no weak spots now on that front. And that is assuming Ryan Kelly is back and playing. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, like you mentioned, Quinn Nelson got better over the course of the year. Brandon Smith got better over the course of the year. Ryan Kelly had a career year. And Costanza has always been good. He's just been on lines where – He's, you know, not noticed because everyone else around him has been terrible. Yeah, good point. And Luck gets it out quicker, obviously, than Watson. I mean, I think you guys Different are, offense, yeah. Yeah, yeah different this offense. Year. I mean, Watson does hold the ball a lot. Um, I like what the Colts are doing, but I kind of feel like neither one of these teams has a chance to really make a lot of noise in what's a pretty solid AFC. Right? I, I don't know why I feel that way, but it, yeah. because, I mean, both good records, both had some quality wins on their resume, but... I feel like it was just almost a lot of smoke and mirrors, especially on the Colts defensively. Like they've had great results, but the talent just they don't still, in my opinion, players. isn't quite there. Yeah, exactly. And the Texans similarly have some holes, especially like I mentioned, the offensive line is just such a gaping hole. 
But uh, they also have you know elite talented players as well. DeAndre Hopkins is unbelievable what he's done for them this season. Uh, we called him the most valuable non-quarterback uh, by our numbers in the NFL this season, which is how you know many contested catches and how many you know uh, is how many big plays he made for them. So uh, I don't I don't have a hedge or tails of who will win this this one. But like you said, I don't really see any of these teams really being. Uh, true contenders to be either the Chiefs or the Patriots. Yeah, me neither. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, you brought up Hopkins. Did I read right that you guys have him charted for zero drops this year? Zero drops, wow. yeah, 115 catches. On a million targets, wow. All right, we'll be back in a minute to do the same exercise with the NFC. Here we go. All right, the Eagles go to the Bears. And I know over the last two years, you guys have had a lot of respect for the Eagles O-line. I very much believe Lane Johnson's one of the best, might be the best right tackle in the league. Pretty solid across the board. But that's a test, man. I mean, in Chicago, crowd noise. How do you see that going up front for the Eagles? Yeah, that is the thing. And Jason Peters, uh, you know, God bless him, one of the best tackles in the NFL for so long. But injuries, age, I mean, he's almost 37 years old. Mm -hmm. He just was not himself He should retire, right. Exactly. Yes. If, if Clu- I mean, he's still good enough to be playing in the NFL. By no means is he not. I mean, if you still want to collect a check, go go do it. But he's not even close to what he used to be. And if Hall they put Glenn Clu- he's borderline. He yeah, I think he's right behind Joe seasons. Thomas from this era. Yeah, I would I would put him behind Thomas. I'd put him in the same conversation as Staley. I think okay. Staley was a little healthier over the course of his career. Peters just had so many injuries. Whitworth uh, and start a little later, but yeah, I think he's in that Whitworth. Yeah, Whitworth as well in yeah. that category. But I'm not sure any of them really were, especially with just comparing them to Joe Thomas in the same era. I'm not sure any of them end up getting in. Now, none of them are Ogden or you know Walter Jones mm-hmm. or those type. But anyway, back to the original question. Sorry, I sidetracked you there. What do you think about getting that nasty Bears defense blocked? I, I hope I, we see I, Mac I, versus Johnson a lot, but I don't know. That I will, will. say yeah. I, I think they are as capable as anyone as yeah. any offensive line in the NFC to handle that Bears front. You have you know if you get Brandon Brooks against Akeem Hicks, that's a that's not really a mismatch. That's a strength versus strength. Again, I think Lane Johnson not gonna you know beat Khalil Mack every single time. Not gonna handle him every single time, but you feel comfortable enough that you can leave him one-on-one in some situations. You don't have to necessarily chip him every single time it gets to an obvious passing down like some teams have this season. Now, the other thing is Kluimak can line up anywhere against an offense. He's not a guy who solely lines up on the left side, solely lines up on the right side. They could move him just over Jason Peters all game, and then you'll have some issues. But, yeah, I, I do think that it's not necessarily – it's a very much a strength-versus-strength sort of matchup. Yeah, I do think it's not the best – I think we talked about this before, but like the Bears might have done themselves a disservice by wiping the floor with the Vikes because they would probably wipe the floor with the Vikes, especially their offensive line, if they yeah. were to lay down last week. Um, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are playing better. I, mean, I don't know that this is a prime matchup for the Bears. And on the other side of the ball, too, I mean, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, that whole crew seems to be playing better than ever. And I like the Bears' line quite a bit, and it doesn't seem to get enough publicity with their success, but I think that has to favor Philly a little bit. Yeah, that is, I mean, no one blocks Philly. Uh, yeah, they just right. are so deep up front. Uh, no one blocks Fletcher Cox. No one blocks, you know, Brandon Graham consistently. You just can't do it. Uh, they just have too much weapons. So yeah, I do give the advantage, you know, along the last scrimmage to Philadelphia in this one, but I think it's everything else in the game that really points to the Bears. It does. 
One last note here. How much credit, I mean, this is very not analytical. The Bears have not been there. They have a young quarterback. They've exceeded expectations. In a way, they're kind of playing with house money, where the Eagles won the Super Bowl last year. I mean, how much do you think that experience factor works in the Eagles' favor in a game like this? I mean, it's hard question. to quantify I, I think it. Who knows? But It is hard to quantify, and I do think I think it's more the Nick Foles factor of somehow when the chips are down, he just has been lights out over these past handful of weeks, over the last playoffs. That's what's more. And so similarly, you're sort of on the opposite side of that Mitch Trubisky just he never really he never really had some fourth quarter, you know, drives that was, you know, you can point to that was you'd say, oh, yeah, he's the guy. He's sure. the, you know, anything like that. He never really led a team back. He was basically front running with a great defense for a good majority of the year. So. That, to me, is the one thing from the Bears would uh, worry me. Yeah, and either one of these teams you see maybe making it to the Super Bowl, making serious noise, I mean, I think that favors the Bears. But Yeah, I mean, the Bears' defense is good enough, too. Yeah. It's it's the best defense in the NFL right now. So it, it, and it offers something different in the NFC in terms of no one else. They're not playing you know, a defensive game with a lot of teams. A lot of teams are trying to play a high-scoring game. So if you immediately change the game on them, uh, you have a chance there. So I do see the Bears having a chance. The Eagles, though, I'm not going to bet against Nick Foles. I'll just say that. I'm not going to bet any money this year against them <laughs> after what he did last year. Yeah, I killed him week to week. Like, that was a fluke. That was a fluke. I mean, uh, is he going to be a starter somewhere next year? Has to be, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. There's just too many bad quarterbacks for him not to be. I mean, I wouldn't pay him like that, but I bet somebody – I bet in one of the 32 teams he's an opening day starter. Um, speaking of quarterback discrepancy, I think there's a big one in this Dallas game. You know, Seattle travels there. I think Wilson's a far better player than Dak Prescott. But how does Dallas compare in the trenches when they have the ball? That's good. I think they're both so like the Seahawks offense line much improved from a season ago, yeah. but I think they're they're not good still, you know. <laughs> right, and right, right. They're one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. It's not like the Colts going from, you know, terrible to amazing. It is they went from terrible to middle of the road here and that's sort of how i see the cowboys as well uh you know without travis frederick this whole year they were just kind of keeping their head above water with uh zach martin and tyron smith carrying you know the rest of those guys there so i do think uh they're fairly evenly matched i'll say in the trenches i kind of give the the advantage to cowboys defensive line i, I think demarcus lawrence that seems uh, like the against, strength if you look at all four big groups yeah. dallas defense looks like the best one for sure yeah, I would agree with that. And then, you know, Demarcus Lawrence going up against Jermaine Ifedi is just, that's a mismatch. And they sort of neutralized him the first time they played by not really passing. They only dropped back like 20 times to pass all game, something mm-hmm. like that. So they just ran the ball all over him. But I do think if, you know, one team gets in a hole, that off one of the offensive lines is going to get exposed at that point. Two more questions here is, what are your guys' thoughts on Frank Clark? I think he's about to become a very rich man. And you mentioned it kind of, what team runs the ball better? What team do you think is the better run-blocking unit as opposed to run defense? Uh, I think, yeah, Frank Clark will be a rich man. He's, okay, you guys love him Interestingly, too, yeah. yeah, he's been very good in our grading pretty much every time he's stepped on the field ever since his rookie year. And so, yeah, he'll make a lot of money. Big edge class, though, just a lot of free agent edges, which is interesting this upcoming offseason. But I think run blocking, I'd still might give the advantage to the Cowboys. But the Seahawks, they utilize Russell Wilson as a rushing threat far better than yeah. the Cowboys do. They just run a lot more options, utilize his legs, not even just to have him running the ball, but as a threat. 
which the Cowboys just almost never seem to do. They'll do it like they'll break it out once or twice a game in the red zone, it seems. But it's a lot of under center runs, a lot of packing guys in to where you have to get perfect blocking for someone to get some space. Whereas they just give Chris Carson, you know, a one on one and ask him to go against a defensive end that's flat footed. And he picks up four or five yards basically every time because that's a favorable matchup for him. Yeah, well said. Um, I don't trust Dallas on the road. I mean, if this was in Seattle, I'd easily take Seattle. So, therefore, I don't trust them to go the next round and do much. Do you agree, and do you think Seattle could make noise in round two? I don't think Seattle is feasibly. I uh, I think on the road, they're just – it's not going to happen for them. The Cowboys, I don't really think so either, on the road as well. Uh, If they were at home, if they had a home field advantage some way, shape, or form, I could see them, and that's, I think, how they – ended up being the Saints, but just I don't see them going on the road and realistically having a chance against either the Saints or the Rams. No, no, I don't either. Um, I got a couple quick questions for you to wrap things up, but we're going to take a break. In the meantime, we'll be right back. All right, Mike. I very much know your feelings on what the Giants should have done with the second pick overall. (laughs) And I also know yours and Pro Football Focus's feelings on Baker Mayfield and Trust me, I've come around and I think he is an utter superstar in the making. But should Barkley or Baker be the offensive rookie of the year? This doesn't mean who the Giants should have picked. To me, the definition of this award is who's had the better year. Not more valuable, not position. I mean, quarterbacks get more weight, no, get, no, don't, don't get me wrong. But <clears throat> who do you think it should get the award? Who do you think will get the award? So this one's interesting because I do, yeah. I do think you have to sort of factor in uh, readiness. Uh, running backs can step into the NFL and be ready right, right away. Quarterback, just basically historically compare them to you know other performances at that position. You know, there's no quarterback that's ever stepped in and looked like you know Patrick Mahomes did in your this year in year one. It just doesn't happen. Right. Whereas there's been you know dozens of running backs who have come in. Year one, been you know led the league in rushing that sort of Pro Bowl thing. type. I mean, Cream Hunt did yeah. it last year. Kamara did it last year. So I do year. Right. think Baker Mayfield, his statistics were, uh, I just think historically far better than you'd expect from a rookie. Whereas Saquon Barkley, very good. I don't think they're necessarily outlier type statistics. And a lot of it was, if you look at things like his success rate and uh, that sort of you know the value he actually provides to the offense, he was just basically living off big plays and that now that's him he's that's what he's going to do his entire career but he was not a very valuable piece to that offense because he wasn't consistently getting four or five yards of pop he would get zero 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 and then 40 mm-hmm. which doesn't add uh, it's good but it doesn't add as much value as the guy who's consistently churning uh the change so i do think i'd lean baker mayfield in that conversation uh but you really can't go wrong with that both are fantastic as rookies does Quentin Nelson have any kind of argument? I mean, poor guy's he a guard. Does. He was the top. <laughs> he's so he's good, a, though. It's not going to – he's the top, you know, five or so guard in the NFL, which is rare in its own right, rare enough because we've seen offensive linemen similar to quarterbacks, similar to uh, where it's just you don't come in and play at that level right away. So I do think it's rare. Um, it's just so hard uh, to quantify offensive line. Right. I mean, we do that. That's what we do with our grading. But at the same time, it's so much easier to analyze someone like Baker and uh, Saquon's game and then make a decision on them. Yeah, I mean, I know Nelson has no shot, but I think his year's been nearly as impressive as both these guys. And no one will ever bring him up, of course. The reason I lean Barkley slightly is just because 
Baker didn't play the first month. Yeah, well, was it two games he missed? Was two it two? I was thinking it was third. three, but I think it was two games. They didn't play the third, so or okay. he started. He played half his way through the third. Maybe it's a little better than I thought. Think. So maybe that the quarterback argument. I mean, most most touchdown passes ever by a, a rookie, despite not playing those games. <laughs> I mean, I think he's a total stud. Do you think he's Mahomes' stud? I mean, not like best quarterback in the league, but if you're building your team, would he be one of your top couple picks? You know what I mean? Like, if we threw them all in a pool and you got to pull guys out? I think so. And that yeah. goes back to where I had him pre-draft evaluation. I was higher on him than I was on golf coming out. I was higher on him than I was on, uh, gosh, who was the year before that. Any of the guys, you know, Wentz, the Mahomes, Mario, even the Mahomes coming out. Yeah. So I was higher on him than any guy in the last four or five years so at that point yeah i would definitely take him in the top three if i'm redrafting now hard to go against Mahomes, but yeah right, baker, right, right. baker from what we saw is ridiculous okay um another quarterback i want to just end the show on is returning to school and that's justin herbert let's talk about that just for a few minutes how big of a ripple effect does that have is that going to really open the door for a couple of these other guys to get drafted, to get overdrafted potentially, like a Locker Gabbert situation when Luck didn't come out. Um, how good was Herbert? Would he have been in consideration for top two or three picks overall? How does that affect this draft? I think it was one. I think it's actually a good decision by Herbert. I, I really? do think he needs, in terms of, he needed to prove some stuff. There's a lot of bad on his tape at this point. Now, he probably would have been. A top ten pick, but I think Haskins is go was going over him no matter what in oh, this wow. draft. So okay. I don't. I, I just think that from a you know full evaluation standpoint, I I would have leaned Haskins for sure in this draft. And I think Haskins will end up going either number one, number two, you know, whoever ends up pulling the trigger on a QB at the top. But I do think just not having that second guy in there, I thought he would have been in that. You know, in that second quarterback group of the after Haskins, whoever is the most needy there at the top, he still would have gone somewhere in the top 10. And so now whoever is that group might might have to end up passing in the top 10, but they might sneak back into the first round at the end and grab someone. And I just don't think there's anyone else there. I mean, like you mentioned, Drew Locke has a big, big arm, but it's just so inconsistent with his accuracy, plays in a real Simplistic offense in Missouri. Uh, Will Greer doesn't have the arm that Locke does. Again, plays in a simplistic offense and has inaccuracy in his own right. Uh, and then you have just a handful. Of, everyone keeps bringing up Daniel Jones, uh, which I just don't see at all uh, from Duke quarterback. Uh, so I'd be, I just don't want to be the team taking a quarterback after Haskins in this one. That's all I say. Okay, I'm not going to hold you to that on these guys that have not yet come mm-hmm. out. But you'll take Baker over Herbert or Haskins. Yes, easily. Rosen over Herbert and Haskins. <sighs> that one's more of a conversation. Okay. I'd take Darnold over. I was a Darnold fan, though, so I'd take Darnold over Rosen. Yeah. You'd take Darnold over Rosen, Darnold over either of these two dudes. Mm-hmm. How about Josh Allen over Haskins? No, I'd probably lean Haskins there. How about Lamar? <sighs> I always put Lamar in his own category. <laughs> He's it, like, it's. It's like you know what you're going to get with him, and I think we've seen it already. You're not going to get a talented passer. Uh, he's just I think he'd be a better passer at this point. Uh, you thought what? I thought he'd be a little bit better passer at this point, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I'd never he's really bad. saw it. He's bad. Yeah, he's just so <laughs> inaccurate. Doesn't even throw uh, spirals a lot of the time. But he's so freakishly good with his legs, so brings something to the table that no quarterback since Michael Vick has ever even come close to bringing that 
uh, if you want to run an offense around him, you can run a somewhat successful offense. It's never going to be, you know, what Mahomes is running in KC. It's never going to be what Tom Brady runs in New England. It's never going to look like that in terms of even points. But it's going to be all right. You know, it's going to be good enough to win your playoff games sometimes. Good enough to get you to the playoffs like they did this year. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I put Lamar in his own category. But I do think Haskins, I mean, far, far better pass than Lamar. No, I, I, that's obvious. I mean, I mean, Lamar, when he misses, sometimes wide open receivers, they're the worst misses in the whole league. Like seven yards to the left. I mean, like not even close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how... Uh, you mentioned about the ball size. Uh, there's something that just doesn't come out right. No, it doesn't. Uh, Mike, this is a blast, man. Much appreciated. Uh, enjoy your wild card weekend. And I will be back tomorrow with Mike Sando. And then I'm going to pick games on Friday. So over and out. Take care, all. And Happy New Year.